0: back to this week in film it's the weekly podcast where we get together talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days i'm nick you you skipped an and did i (laughs) you threw a comma in where there's usually oh well that's what messed me up yeah Well, like I said, I'm Nick Fanato, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. That's me. Matt, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you, Nick? I'm good. I'm good. Matt, I'm sure you have seen a movie this week because why wouldn't you have watched a movie?
1: (laughs) I did see a movie this week, Nick. I saw Terminator Dark Fate.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I guess it really made an impression on you since because before we started the show, you weren't sure if you had seen a movie this week.
1: (laughs) That may be a bit telling.
0: Like uh, a recent episode, I've seen two and a half movies. Oh. One is called Tour de Pharmacy from 2015. I'm sorry, 2017. It's another uh, Andy Samberg... That's a
1: very different world, especially <laughs> if we're talking about <laughs> politics and healthcare.
0: It's another Andy Samberg mockumentary kind of thing, so I saw that. Mm-hmm. I also watched... Another Tarzan movie because I was like, there's Ooh, gotta be a good Tarzan movie out there.
1: Why would you think
0: that? So then I watched Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, comma. Huh? Lord of the Apes from nineteen eighty four.
1: Oh, nope, don't remember that one. Neither did I. Grey Stoke?
0: Yeah. Stoke. Like like you stoke a fire. Yeah. And the color grey.
1: Uh Yeah, i assumed. (laughs)
0: And then the final thing that I saw this week was... Half? Because I had watched so much Tarzan, Uh. I had been reading a lot of Wikipedia about Edgar Rice Burroughs, who also wrote the book series John Carter from Mars. So I watched the movie John Carter. Wait, what?
1: (laughs) Wait, this guy, something Rice something?
0: Uh, I think you got it. Is that... That's who
1: invented Tarzan? I I think so. Yeah, his name is on the writer credit for the Tarzan
0: movie. Yeah, he was like a, just a science fiction-ish adventure writer. Oh,
1: oh wait, you said his, his, hang on. Are we talking about a guy who wrote a Tarzan movie or like the inventor of Tarzan?
0: The inventor of Tarzan.
1: Somehow I thought Tarzan was like hundreds of years old.
0: He is. John Carter is an old character? John Carter is a Civil War superhero, basically. What? <laughs> That's right. The, and you'll hear all who's about like fighting it. fighting around and in Egypt this and week's stuff th- in film. Hit the theme. We we'll already did. I mean, welcome back this weekend. I think you sang the theme backwards there. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, I went a little satanic for a moment. Paul is dead. That's from some Beatles urban song. Yeah, there's an urban legend that, like, if you listen to one of their albums, you can hear, if you play it backwards, you can hear them saying, Paul is dead.
0: Oh, yeah, you know what? I have heard that. The song or The Rumor? The Rumor. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about one of these movies. All right. Well, I guess I'll begin. Yeah. Since I saw so many.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll start with Tour de Pharmacy, because this was 39 Minutes of Joy. What? Uh,
1: 39 Minutes?
0: Yeah. That's not a movie. It's a short film. Hmm. Well then,
1: in that case, I watched an episode of Black Mirror. Guess I'll be covering that too. Those are like an
0: hour and twenty minutes.
1: Uh, well, this is the one that was the the one you were talking about with the guy from Get Out. Oh yeah, exercise on the bike.
0: Yeah, oh, you went out and looked for that.
1: Uh, I like the actor, so I figured I'd check it out. Plus, I've been putting off. Well, I've been wanting to watch Black Mirror, but Karina's never in the mood. So, and I don't watch much TV on my own. So mm-hmm. this is uh, yesterday. I was like, well, I'll go ahead and uh, watch some. I was I was waiting on something and, and killing some time. So, so I was okay. killing some time and I figured I'd watch that episode of Black Mirror and catch up on that show a little bit. Oh,
0: well, I'm sorry to hear that. That's not the worst <laughs> episode of that show.
1: It wasn't great. I don't know if it's the worst one yet. I, I think I've seen one or two that I like less. I didn't care for the first one with the whole... Having sex with a pig
0: episode. Oh, uh, I loved it. I did not see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> So I was like, whoa. Fair enough. So, so anyway, Tour de Pharmacy. Tour de Pharmacy. Is, like I said, from 2017. It's directed by Jake Szymanski. stars Andy Samberg. The cast of this is out of this world it has andy sandberg orlando bloom nathan fielder's in this joe buck who i hate john cena the wrestler actor james marston maya rudolph danny glover mike tyson julia ormond jeff goldblum and then unfortunately lance armstrong the disgraced bicyclist the cheater is in this yes and that's what this whole thing is about it's about it's a mockumentary about the 1983 Tour de France or or something like that, and it's completely fictional, and it basically just follows these five characters around uh, while they're on the tour, and it starts out with like 200 people in the race, and then it just slowly dwindles down to just one guy left in the race because everyone has either been kicked out for cheating or quit the race, uh-huh. and... This was great. This was really funny. I I really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen Seven Days in Hell, which is the other sports mockumentary that the Lonely Island guys made, uh, and that one is about tennis and Wimbledon, About uh, it's called Seven Days in Hell, and it's Andy Samberg and Kit Harington from Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. basically just hitting a ball back and forth for like half an hour or however long it is. That's great. And I think this one might be better. Just the way that it's it's shot. It's a lot of it is shot. It looks like old footage and it just it looks like a real documentary. And what I really liked about this is John Cena is fantastic. Really? He plays yeah he's so good. And I I I really turned false well I've really turned half circle on John Cena because if it was a full circle. Yeah, then you'd feel the same way again. Right. I've done a complete 180 on him where I was like, I don't like John Cena to like, I think I really, really like John Cena now to the point where like the fact that he's in this new Fast and the Furious movie, I could not be happier because he was the best part of that Transformers Bumblebee movie, even though it was just the one line that I really liked. (laughs) And he's been in a couple other things where I was like... Yeah, John Cena's got he's got some comedy chops. He's he's pretty entertaining, and you know he's I just kind of like really turned the corner on him. And in this movie, he plays some foreign biker. I think his name is supposed to be Gustav. And in the 1981 Tour de France, they show a photo of him, and he's like the skinniest looking guy. (laughs) And then they they cut to today's John Cena or 1982's John Cena. And he's being interviewed by James Marston, and he's John Cena, where he's just ripped and huge. And he's like, how can you explain your extraordinary transformation from who you were last year to this year? And he's just like good eating and exercise (laughs) and the whole the whole show is about how every biker is on so many steroids and drugs that it's it's insane and then there's like this huge freak out sequence where he goes insane and like kills a bunch of people it's very funny and in addition to the old-timey footage so john cena plays the younger version of this guy Mm -hmm. gustav but the old version is played by what's his name shit Oh, I can't remember his name. Danny Glover. No. (laughs) Danny Glover plays another person as an old man.
1: Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I don't think uh, John Cena would look like Danny Glover in his old age. (laughs) Uh,
0: Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren plays, plays old John Cena. Jeff Goldblum plays old Andy Samberg. And Kevin Bacon is in this, and he plays both himself as a young man and an old man, which is very funny. That is funny. Orlando Bloom is in it, but he's, he doesn't have an old version. Uh, David Diggs is young Danny Glover. And it's, it's pretty funny. It's very, it's, there's a lot of visual gags and then there's a lot of, uh, like just like inappropriate swearing gags, like raunchy kind of humor stuff that doesn't really fit, but you're like, that's pretty funny. I'll go with it. And it's, uh, Will Forte is doing it. There are a lot of, strange cameos out of nowhere like there's a lot of sports cameos like mike tyson and chris weber is in it chris weber is like a basketball player from the 90s and a few other people that i can't think of and or cheat while looking at the cast list (laughs) quick enough but even Felicia Rashad is in this movie, and she, they go down this weird road where they're talking to, they watch this video from the 80s about the way red blood cells work in the body, and all of a sudden it turns into, The white blood cells are the cops and then the white blood cells are indiscriminately killing the black red blood cells so there's race riots inside the bloodstream and then the video just ends and they cut to felicia rashad and she goes yeah i made that i did it after my stint on sesame street which they didn't appreciate and then they cut to a clip of like these two muppets walking around And this one Muppet, who apparently is voiced by Kevin Clash, who's the voice of Elmo, or was the voice of Elmo, and he goes, he goes up to her and he goes, hey, how's it going today? And she, and her character just goes, man, back the F off, (laughs) but she says the actual word. Oh. And uh, J.J. Abrams shows up and he, and he talks about it and it's. Very good. It's very good. The one thing that I think, uh, oh, and John Hamm is the narrator of the whole thing, and I always like when John Hamm shows up in comedy stuff. The one thing that really kind of doesn't sit well with me is the Lance Armstrong's participation in this. Yeah, because uh, Lance Armstrong is, you know, disgraced Tour de France cheater. Yeah, uh, well, Mike like Tyson's 70- a
1: rapist and they threw him in there.
0: Yeah, that's true, but everyone likes Mike Tyson now. So. Do they? Mm, I I always forget when I see Mike Tyson, I'm always like, hey, Mike Tyson. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of throwing him in stuff. But anyway, I but, see what you're saying, though, about
1: Lance Armstrong, too. Like,
0: But like, at least Mike Tyson p- paid some sort of punishment for his crimes. Whereas Lance Armstrong just got to walk away from the whole thing while destroying the careers of everyone that got him to where he was. Mm. So, like, Lance Armstrong's still a very wealthy person mm-hmm. and suffered. I mean, he's suffered public disgrace and like a lot of investigations, but for the most part, he's gotten off pretty scot free for cheating for many, many years. And this movie basically makes fun of that and he plays into it where he's the 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 running joke is that he's the the man behind the the scenes who re- revealed everything he's the uh he's the voice the in silhouette yeah he's like a voice in silhouette who's telling the real story and like as the show goes on there's more and more light on him and that's like part of the gag and it's it's a pretty good gag and it's it's funny but like at the same time you're like oh this is really Lance Armstrong and he's like making fun of this and it doesn't really work for me too much but uh the rest of it's pretty good so I'll let it slide I guess I mean I, I was reading the IMDb or the Wikipedia for this and apparently like they wrote the Lance Armstrong stuff expecting him to turn it down and oh, he, yeah. when he agreed to do it they were like oh okay and so they just recorded it like they taped it so that's why it's there because he agreed to do it like i guess to be a good sport about it but it just doesn't fit right with all the other stuff that goes on in this movie where you're like yeah you you are this this that's i mean i know that's the joke like that's why he's there but like it's still kind of uncomfortable where you're just kind of like okay
1: so, so with this whole thing, is it, is the movie kind of a joke? Cause this isn't that big of a deal or to your knowledge, are drugs and racing supposed to be a big problem? I, I, I never heard anything about it other than Lance Armstrong. So I don't know if it's like, oh yeah, you know, drugs like and bicycles are,
0: well, I mean, I guess you could say like the, like the steroids in baseball is just like it is in bicycling. Okay. Like everybody, everybody was doing it at one point and they probably still are. They just can't test for it. Kind of a thing. Like they don't know how to find it or they don't want to, but it was, it was huge. Like bicycle, bicycling is huge around the world. Uh, and then like the tour de France is their super bowl that goes on for like the month of July. So there's a lot of money at stake, which is why they cheat. And then if someone else cheats and you find out they're cheating, everyone else is going to cheat too, because... Otherwise, you're going to lose your job. So, that's that's how the world rolls. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but,
1: well, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that in any sport, drugs are big.
0: Yeah. Bicycling was... The Lance Armstrong thing was difficult for me because... I believed him when he said he didn't he wasn't cheating because he's like I've done all these tests blah 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 and then he did cheat. It's the same way I felt when Alex Rodriguez got busted for cheating in baseball where I was just like dude you didn't have to do this like you were perfect without this you didn't need it and then it's like everything's ruined. Like I don't know if if or I doubt if Lance Armstrong cuz one I don't know enough about cycling. I've ridden a bike or two in my day. I had a sweet 10 speed. And <laughs> and I don't know enough about Lance Armstrong other than I know who he is and he won a bunch of Tour de France's and that was pretty crazy that he was able to do that. No one's ever come close to doing what he did, I guess. And then to just be a, a cheater and then not only a cheater, but like a rat, like you ratted everyone out when you finally got caught, like you busted, you came down on everyone just to try to get yourself clear. Like he's just kind of a snake. So screw lance armstrong (laughs) it's definitely worth watching it's very funny i was straight up cracking up the first half is much funnier than the second half but the second half does have a lot of big jokes in it that i I really enjoyed i think you would like this one a lot i definitely think you'd like it a lot more than the baseball one uh Uh, all right so moving on Mm -hmm. from bicycling let's go back in time To a simpler age when
1: dinosaurs ruled the. uh, The late
0: 19th century when dinosaurs ruled the earth. I guess it's according to this. um, Right now I'm talking about Greystoke, the Uh, legend of. Greystoke, colon, the legend of Tarzan, comma, Lord of the Apes from 1984, directed by Hugh Hudson. This movie stars as Tarzan in his first American role, Christopher Lambert.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I, I just want to throw something out there. I apologize for the interruption, but I wanted to check and see if mm-hmm. I could make some sense of this thing. And so I was going to put, who created Tarzan? And uh, just out of curiosity, if you were to type, don't do it, but if you were going to type in who created and then not fill in the rest yet, what uh-huh. do you think would be the first autofill? Uh, the world? Nope. Who created Kirby. What <laughs> that little that little marshmallow that eats things?
0: The little Nintendo cloud thing. Yep.
1: That's what that auto fills with. Well, who did? Oh, uh, Masahiro Sakar- Sakurai.
0: Oh, good for him.
1: Yeah, way to go, Masahiro. Oh, I I totally mispronounced that. That's Masahiro. I'm
0: sorry. Anyway, oh how how embarrassing for you. Yeah, I'm the worst. Well, so
1: it does say if you put in who created Tarzan. Edgar Rice Burroughs, and he created yep. it in 1912. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh,
0: that's much later than I thought it would be.
1: Yeah, see, I thought this I thought was, he was a, a super old story.
0: I thought he was a 19th century kind of guy. Well, 1912 is over 100 years ago.
1: Oh, And he does look a little bit like Alfred Hitchcock. Really? Yeah, in the picture I'm looking at anyway. This guy, I hair. think he
0: looks like... Some hair. And the picture I'm looking at is his IMDb photo, and he looks like Harvey... Harvey Bogart. That's not right.
1: Ah, that's not a person. I think you mean Humphrey Bogart. I mean, I'm sure there is someone No, no. I'm
0: talking about his first cousin, Harvey Bogart. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) His lesser known actor pal. He didn't Um, get
0: very far. I
1: feel feel like the guy I'm looking at is a cross between, like, if Alfred Hitchcock and Franklin Delano Roosevelt had a baby and it grew up to be a man, it would look like
0: this. Sounds like a handsome child.
1: He's got some sort of thing going for him. I don't know if it's authority, but...
0: I saw a picture on the Reddits earlier this week of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in his 20s. Uh-huh. And I'm, I think it was him. Who was the other one? Teddy Roosevelt? That was also a Roosevelt, yeah. Uh, it was one of them, too. And looks totally he looks like guys. Yeah, but they have the same name, so they're related. And Dreamboat. Total dreamboat. Yeah, as like
1: as hot as that Tarzan guy guy you were watching last week. Wait, is that why you watched
0: Tarzan again this week? Because you found the other Tarzan that attractive? Uh, I just wanted a good Tarzan story. Mm. And let's let's just let's 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 just rank. Okay, go ahead. Let's talk about the movie. (laughs) So this tells the story of Tarzan, and unlike the movie from last week, this movie starts off in the past, where the movie from last week takes place. After he's been rescued back to society. Right. This movie takes place or starts before he's born when his parents leave this big fancy English mansion and then get shipwrecked in an African jungle. And then the mother has a baby who eventually becomes Tarzan and she dies of malaria or something. And then while the dad is mourning over the death of the mom, this large gorilla comes into their gigantic Swiss Robinson treehouse that he's able to craft uh-huh. and beats him to death. Oh, with his f- Fists. Yeah, this is after. <laughs> At this point, my daughter was very sick last week, and anyway, she. So we're watching a movie together. Yeah, and she's just like kind of just paying attention while she's like in and out of sleeping and she wakes up just in time to see this angry gorilla who kills Tarzan's father his wife gorilla or one of the lady gorillas has a baby uh-huh. and he doesn't like that baby so he kicks them both out of a tree and wait the the wife ape and the baby or the yeah the wife the wife ape and the baby ape wow yeah. He kicks them both out of a tree and she's able to like catch herself. Sure. But she drops the baby. Um, and we get to watch a an ape muppet hit a rock and die. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. now, it, it, uh,
1: so these gorillas that and show- I had to
0: explain that to my daughter. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't
1: feel good for either of you. Um now when these apes are showing up and you know this this ape is like killing the dad is this a person is a, in a costume is this a yes uh, these
0: these are men these are men in ape costumes but not like planet of the ape costumes these costumes look fantastic really yeah like really like to the point where like a lot of times you're like oh that's definitely a guy in a costume but other times you're like I wonder if this is actual gorilla footage because I don't know enough about gorillas to... To know the difference, but they look the the costumes look great. They they look really good. So the the filmmakers should be commended on that on that. <laughs> and so anyway, baby Tarzan's upset because you know he just saw his father get beaten to death, and then the mom gorilla comes in and she goes, "Oh, I need a new baby." Oh, because we just watched her other her new baby. There's a lot going on in the beginning of this movie. So the the mom gorilla has another baby, and we watch this one basically starve to death because. It can't drink breast milk for some reason Mm. and then she's just like picking up its arm and its arm is falling and she's like oh no another one uh, I just got no luck with these kids. Oh, a human baby. I'll take this one. And so she takes Tarzan and, and raises him with the gorilla tribe. And it's at this point that the movie starts time jumping a little bit to show how the passage of time and Tarzan's getting a little older here and there. But until Tarzan turns into Christopher Lambert as a, a young man, a lot of full frontal nudity on this kid which is Ew. really uncomfortable. It's it's like 80s nudity too, so it's like it's not like graphic but it's definitely unnecessary uh-huh. to to see it. And then there's also some parts where like you're looking at this kids butt and it looks like it's been spackled shut like, I, I don't really know how to explain that like it, it just doesn't look like two cheeks if that makes sense where you just, just like, like one it's like a unibut kind of yeah like it just looks plastic it looks, uh ken doll or something exactly exactly like it just looks like there's just like a little divot and then it, it smooths out and you're like what is going on? oh there's his dick oh god no more please stop please stop And then I guess Christopher Lambert (laughs) was like- Why did I get
1: so close to the TV trying (laughs) to figure out his butt?
0: (laughs) And then Christopher Lambert shows up. I guess he was like, I'm not going to show my dick. So Tarzan wears pants or like Tarzan wears his loincloth now and a belt that he found for some reason. And so he he wears that. So Tarzan- The (laughs) The plot. (laughs) The plot. So Ian Holm is in this and he plays, I think he's supposed to be- the guy that uh christoph waltz is supposed to be in that last tarzan movie okay except that ian holmes a good guy and christoph waltz was the bad guy but they both have the same mustache (laughs) so i assume they're the same
1: person (laughs) maybe they're not the same person maybe that's just how you indicate
0: that that time period perhaps there are a lot of fancy mustaches i i wanted Mm -hmm.
1: to see these uh these apes and you're right, they look really good. But I also ran across a picture of Christopher Lambert where he's got a loincloth, but then he does just have this belt. It's like <laughs> everything's pretty much like, okay, this guy's in
0: nature. Nope, here's a belt Yeah, from somewhere. Uh, so Ian Holm is on this expedition in Africa, and he's with a bunch of uh, – he. he's from Belgium, and he's with these – I don't know, Dutch soldiers or whatever. Anyway, everyone gets killed but him and Tarzan rescues him and kind of nurses him back to health. And because Tarzan's never seen a, a person who wasn't black before, because there are black people in the like African tribesmen who hunt gorillas. And one of them is what killed Tarzan's monkey mama. And so Tarzan doesn't like them. But like this is the first time that he's seen a white person. So he's like intrigued by him so he like basically keeps him like a pet a little bit and then they develop this relationship like over time like i guess ian holm is supposed to be there for a couple of years kind of recuperating with tarzan and then eventually they make their way back to civilization and along the way tarzan tarzan proves himself to be super smart because he learns how to speak like four languages and and including ape and i gather from these
1: pictures at some point he also fights a black panther
0: yeah, he he does kill a panther, and that's how he like a step. He like he becomes king of the monkeys or king of the gorillas, and you know there's there's that whole dynamic. Uh, and then eventually they make it back to England or whatever to his family's estate, and they're able to like prove like his uncle recognizes his son in him anyway. I don't know. His grandfather recognizes his son in him, and it doesn't make much sense. But the movie's just kind of like just go with it. Wait, why does he why does he even come back? Okay. Because Ian Holm brings him home as like a scientific oddity. Like against his will or like he convinces him? No, he just wants, he's ready to go. He's like, yeah, let's go on a trip. Because Ian Holm's like, you don't belong here. You belong with men, you know, like that whole thing. And Tarzan's like, "Uh, okay. When I said, oh, okay. You may assume that Christopher Lambert may be speaking English in this movie. And for the most part, he does not. For most of the movie, he is doing... Straight up gorilla noises. Like Christopher Christopher Lambert goes a hundred percent for this movie. He gives this everything he has to the no act I don't think any actor has given more than Christopher (laughs) Lambert in this movie. And unfortunately, he's terrible. (laughs) He's he's just it's just bad. And like I commend the effort, but I'm just kind of like, oh no, oh, oh no like at least when christopher lambert is doing the gorilla noises around the other gorillas the actors in the gorilla suits you can forget that there are people in there and go oh yeah he's talking to these gorillas but then you look at Lambert and you're like, oh yeah, that's just a guy making monkey noises with other people making monkey noises and you just you just feel so embarrassed for him where you're just kinda like, Oh, I am uncomfortable. There's this whole he has this whole scene when they get back to England where he's like left alone for a night and he's in this billiard room. And on the wall of the billiard room are the heads of safari animals. And he starts trying to talk to them. And then he realizes that they're just heads. And he starts rolling around on the pool table. And the camera is real far away. So it gives you this voyeuristic kind of, uh, we're just kind of like watching this from from far away. And you just think about the shooting day of that, where the camera is like a 100 feet away. Everyone has to be as far away as the camera is. And it's just this man rolling around on a billiard table going (laughs) for like five minutes it goes on forever and crazy just crazy is Uh,
1: i i don't know that i've ever seen christopher lambert in anything um is he
0: generally bad he's generally bad but entertaining like he's in highlander and highlander is is pretty fun the first highlander is pretty fun it's it's not a It's a, I mean, it is a great movie, but it's not great because of the acting in it. Like it's just kind of a cool movie Uh and it's, it, it works, but this movie, not so much. Andy McDowell is in this. I was just about to ask because like every now and again, I'll run across a picture of her and now I just
1: ran across a picture of the two of them, but I'll just have to send you. So you go ahead and tell us. Tell us oh, about, right. about Andy McDowell uh, being in this.
0: Oh, uh, first of all, I didn't know Andy McDowell existed in 1984. And this apparently was her first film, like her first film ever. And she looks like she's... Whoa. Yep. That's your movie. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's, that's your movie right there. She looks nothing like Andy McDowell, which is weird. Like, I guess Andy McDowell has had some work done, which is disappointing because I think she's just gorgeous. And But, you know... Whatever she wants. Anyway, she is so young in this, but like, not like Jennifer Connolly young in, uh, what's that Jim Henson movie. Yeah. Like she's, she's like a young woman in this, but apparently they didn't like her voice. So I believe according to the IMDb, Glenn Close did the dubbing for her. Wait, they, so, they
1: just voiced over her whole performance.
0: Yeah. Huh. So, so that's just kind of weird, especially in this movie where Christopher Lambert is "quote unquote acting." So, that's going on.
1: Is there a moment in this movie where for some reason he crawls all over the dead carcass of an elephant? Yes. What's that about? That's
0: him and him and Ian Holm are hanging out and Ian Holmes trying to explain to him what civilization is and Tarzan misunderstands him or something and he's like, Oh, I know what that is. It's this elephant body And Ian Holmes like, No, no, you're you're getting it all wrong, you idiot (laughs) he's he's just frustrated because ian holmes a pretty good guy in this movie and this this movie is it tries to be something that is greater than it is like it it's definitely trying to do something where it's trying to tell this serious story of of tarzan and after i watched this i looked up on imdb because it's my only source of news what other tarzan movies there are And in 1981 is that Tarzan, the ape man, which has Bo Derek in it. And that's supposed to be an absolute disaster. And then every two years, two or three years until about 1919, there's another Tarzan movie from 1919 till like 1975 or 77 there's a tarzan movie yeah and most of them according to the rankings that they all have are terrible like this is like one of the highest rated ones really uh, aside from the disney one yeah uh, there are a few in like the 40s that are supposed to be very good, but there was one that was listed from like, I think the 50s that's like four hours long, Whoa. and it has like and it has a 5.0 rating, which means it's gotta be a disaster. I'm not watching that.
1: That is a long time
0: to watch. Yeah. Was definitely
1: any movie that gives me the vibe that i get when i think of watching a tarzan movie
0: (laughs) but uh, this this was not very good it was long it's meandering it's self-indulgent apparently it's directed by the guy who directed chariots of fire which is a movie i've never seen seen but i know the i know the theme song to it Mm -hmm. but I've, I've never seen the movie, and this was his follow-up to that, so it was like a real prestige picture for Warner Brothers. But here's the tagline for the movie. This is on the poster, all right? Mm-hmm. In 1886, following a shipwreck off the west coast of Africa, an infant child became part of a family of apes who raised and protected him. As he grew, he learned the laws of the jungle and eventually claimed the title Lord of the Apes, Yet, years later, when he was res- returned to civilization, he would remain uncertain as to which laws he should obey, those of man or those of the jungle. Now, the director of Chariots of Fire captures this epic adventure of a man caught between two different worlds. How big is this poster? It's crazy big. <laughs> or, I mean, like, the text, the text. That's a lot of is- information. The text on the screen is more than there are pictures on the screen. And the one picture, Tarzan just looks like Willem Dafoe in that Jesus movie. Not The Passion of the Christ, the the one that Scorsese directed.
1: That I never saw it.
0: Uh, I never saw it either. But he, he he just looks like Jesus. He's got his arms out and he looks like he's wearing a crown of thorns. And you're just like, what? Grace Duke? Tarzan? What is this poster? This was the marketing campaign for this movie. And its budget was $30 million, and it made $45 million worldwide. So, guess it's a success. But they didn't make another Tarzan movie until... That Disney one.
1: I just ran across a picture from...
0: Uh, okay, I gotta send you this one, too. Okay. This is from, I guess, the the Bo Derek movie. Oh, yeah. That's supposed to be borderline pornography. Uh that would explain what I'm looking at. Oh, I just got a text message. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that was a... What is there's a, <Yeah>. there's a <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. There is a vat.
0: Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Okay. There is a hilarious death in the movie where Tarzan's kindly uncle gets hammered drunk at Christmas. And he's very old. And he's like, when I was a kid, I used to slide down the steps on a tray on a silver platter. And that was Like the skateboard before the skateboard. Those are my words, not really his. And also he's not a Southern gentleman. And so he tries to slide down the stairs and then just kind of kills himself. And then Tarzan is very sad. And he makes a lot of ape noises and carries the body around. And then Tarzan's at an opening for a museum. And at the museum, there's like a lot of African exhibits and he just tries talking to all of them and he gets freaked out and he's like, I got to get some air. And while he's getting some air in an alleyway, he can hear a chimp screaming for help. And so he goes towards the sound and finds his ape dad, uh, or it's either his ape dad or his ape brother. And then he rescues him. They go wild in London or wherever they are. Greystoke. <laughs> I don't really know. And until the police shoot his ape dad out of the tree that they're both in, and then Tarzan's very sad, and then they and then Ian Holmes like, We have to return him to the jungle. And this one scientist guy who was in love with Andy McDowell is like, Oh, but does he want to go? And then Christopher Lambert walks up to him, gets right into his face, and he says, Half of me is the Earl of Greystoke. And then he leans in even closer and he and then he says, the other half is wild. So we go back to Africa and he kind of runs off to be with his ape friends. And that's how it ends. <laughs> it is long. It's over two hours long and it's uncomfortable at best. Yeah, and It sounds like it. At certain points, you're just kind of really laughing. And then at other times, there's naked children running around. And the naked children thing gets me really uncomfortable because not that only shit. are you like... Not only are you shooting this kid like running around without any pants on, but in between takes, you know, he's just kind of standing around, you know, waiting for the next take to start. So there's just this naked child. Like, who is looking out for the welfare of this kid? Like I know it 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 like sometimes is necessary, but there is a lot of naked kid in this movie, like where you're just like ah unnecessary. Especially because Lambert is wearing clothes later, where he's like, I'm not going to get naked. I wear pants. (laughs) I wear jungle pants. Put pants on the kid. Like, have him wear the loincloth the whole time. Like, he's he's just kind of modest like that the whole time. Or make Lambert be naked, because then that's like another barrier he has to cross in order to become accepted in society or become a part of society. So, uh, I don't know. Still haven't seen a good Tarzan movie. I've seen that Disney one. Well, uh, someone tells was, me you'll be checking
1: out that one with Bo Derek
0: soon. <laughs> yeah, we're probably going to watch that. Uh, and I'll probably watch the Disney one, too, because that's what I did with these Robin Hood. 20, 2020 is the year of Tarzan. Like, 2019 was the year of Robin Hood.
1: Just going to go through all these different franchises that eventually end up in Disney's hands?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm done with that. All right. Let's leave Terminator for last, and I'll just right. I'll just finish up with my Burroughs-a-thon. So, John Carter... From 2012, directed by Andrew Stanton. It stars Taylor Kitsch, Willem Dafoe... Thomas Hayden Church apparently Brian Cranston is in this for some reason and a few other names here and there Dominic West who I only know as McNulty from The Wire and the mean senator from Three Hundred the senator that rapes Leonidas's wife so but he's always going to be McNulty from The Wire to me so it's always nice to see him though uh, and Lynn Collins plays the girl so this movie tells the story. Of a Confederate Civil War veteran who is searching for a fabled cave of gold in the American Southwest. And during his search, he gets captured by, and this is post-Civil War America, like he's already like, he's just an old cal- Calvary, Calvary, the horse people, cavalry Calvary. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm trying to say Calgary, which is a city in Canada, but he's like an old cavalryman, man. So he was good with horses and stuff anyway. So Brian Cranston plays this captain or whatever for the local garrison of the United States army. And they bring in Taylor Kitsch and say, Hey, I need you to do me a favor. And then Taylor Kitsch in a series of montages uh, keeps escaping and then gets captured again while Brian Cranston explains to him their problem about local Native American tribes hassling them. And he needs Taylor Kitsch to lead a battalion against them. And Taylor Kitsch is like, eventually Taylor Kitsch is like, I've fought my war. I'm not fighting anyone else's war. Uh, he's also mourning the death of his wife and child a few years back. I guess while he was away at war, they were killed. So he escapes from prison again. And while. Because for some reason, saying no to this captain means you have to go to jail, uh, which doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Like maybe he's getting drafted. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't understand it, but he escapes and he's running away on a horse and Brian Cranston's chasing him and then they run into some, I want to say Apache. I feel like Apache is right. Brian Cranston gets shot. They seek shelter in this cave and then as the apache guys are coming in they start suddenly back away because they're afraid of something and john carter goes out and oh, because the civil war guy is john carter if, if that wasn't super clear so he goes out and he looks up and the front of the cave has this symbol that he's been looking looking for like this spider symbol which is his fabled cave of gold and so he goes in there and he's like it's my cave of gold i'm rich damn it and all of a sudden, this bald man appears out of nowhere, wearing a fancy robe, and they fight because they weren't expecting to see each other. And Taylor Kitsch shoots him, and he drops this medallion, and the bald man says like a magic, like five magic words, and all of a sudden, John Carter wakes up on Mars. Yeah, okay, I was waiting for that part to kick in. Okay, uh-huh. keep going. He gets to Mars, and he's like an arid area, and he's like, "Oh, I'm on Mars." Or no, he's like, where the hell am I? Because I can breathe. But he goes to like take a step and he can't walk because I guess the gravity is so much less on Mars. He's so used to Earth gravity that it's like Superman jumping around. He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yeah. And so he basically has to learn how to run jump across the desert. And while he's doing this, he attracts the attention of some local aliens, and their leader is voiced by Willem Dafoe, who plays this weird-looking green alien with four arms. And I will say that the the green aliens, like the special effects in this movie, really, really good. And Willem Dafoe voices the chief. Um, he captures... You know there's like a whole thing, basically, Taylor Kitch gets coerced into fighting someone else's war again, but this time he can jump really high <laughs> so <laughs> so he's super great and uh and then eventually, there's like a big war at the end uh because this movie is 2 hours and 12 minutes but it feels like it's 6 hours long. The first 45 minutes kind of fly by where you're just kind of like, why does everyone hate this movie? And then you get to like the last 45 minutes and you're like, oh, cuz it's still on. The movie ends. There's like an the movie straight up ends. And then there's another half hour just keeps going where where like the real ending happens. Oh god. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay. I mean it and the real ending, okay does,
1: ending at the real time
0: huh I mean like the real ending does tie up some loose threads, and I guess it follows the storyline of the book, but uh-huh. which I have not read, which is called a Princess of Mars and was written before science was invented, which is why you can jump really high on mars and so the 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 movie does wrap up many of its loose ends, whether or not they're done well is a different question. So like I was saying, the special effects are really quite good in this. There are some that are really bad where you're just like, why is this in this when everything else looks so amazing? Like apparently Andrew Stanton, who was the director and one of the writers on it, he's a Pixar director. He directed like WALL-E and I think... A couple of the other really successful Pixar movies. And so this is his first live action movie, and he wanted to tell this story because I guess he was a big fan of the books when he was a kid. But one of his demands was complete creative control, which is something that not a lot of directors get. Mm Mm-hmm in their entire careers. And for some reason they gave it this to him with a budget of like $250 million and went over budget or very close to going over budget. And this is a movie that looks like the script for this movie seems like it would have been a big hit in 1992. Uh-huh. It's got, it's got that feel to it where you're like, oh, uh, this is like post Jim Henson labyrinth kind of and a Stargate-y. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I like that. That's a great comparison. Yeah, Stargate is a way better movie. <laughs> Stargate's awesome. Just out of curiosity,
1: when's the last time you saw
0: Stargate? Oh, probably too long ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I bet yeah. it does not hold up. Don't go back.
1: Don't go Uh-oh. back. I really enjoyed
0: Stargate too,
1: and uh, I watched it maybe about six, five or six years ago, and I went, oh,
0: oh, oops. Oh, that makes me sad, because... I'll often think of Stargate and go, oh, I need to watch Stargate. And you're wrong. But I understand. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyway, like like I said, the special effects are really good. But at no point do you feel like you're on Mars. Mm -hmm. It just feels like you're in the American Southwest. Everything...
1: I I gotta say, like I I thought it was taking place in like the Middle East or something. I didn't even know it went to Mars. I just remember him in the commercials or reviews or wherever I've seen clips of this before. Like uh, I thought he was in in the Middle East somewhere, not but but having like superpowers of some sort, and there was like some sort of creature effect or something that seemed
0: otherworldly, but I
1: didn't think he was actually on another planet.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty crazy and and the fact that they don't do anything to make it seem like mars like i mean the backdrops are vast and and gorgeous but i don't know if it's just utah because apparently that's where they shot much of this movie and thankfully much of this movie is shot in like real outdoors or at least really feels like you're outdoors Mm -hmm. but you don't feel like you're on another world at all Especially since the first half of the movie or the first chunk of the movie takes place also in the American Southwest, which just looks the same but with a blue filter on it. So you get to this place and you're like, well, why don't they just put a red filter on it so that it just looks Marsy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then you saying that thing about the Middle East reminded me of another thing that I had thought while watching it, and it's that I don't know why this guy's gotta be a Civil War veteran. Because it doesn't play into the movie at all. And I think it's only there because that's what happened in the book. The book is about a Civil War veteran getting transported to this Mm -hmm. place. Like, I, I imagine, like, they're trying to stay close to the book, but apparently, like, they change the director said stuff about how he wanted to stay as close to the book as possible, but then would make like these great changes or, or um, huge changes to the story in order to propel the plot along. And I'm like, well, if you're doing that, then you're not stay- sticking to the story. So just make everything work then, Yeah, you know, like don't make him a civil war vet. If being a part of the civil war never comes into play, like, it, like the fact that he's really good at riding horses doesn't matter in this movie at all because he rides like a future motorcycle the whole time like he's got like a a sky cycle or something and he like shoots laser guns but like half the time he fights with a sword so it's it just doesn't make sense like just make him like a an, or, or an Iraqi or an Afghanistan vet and have it take place in modern times. Like you could still go looking for gold in modern times. In fact, it makes more sense now because nobody's out in the Southwest looking for gold. I don't know. That's just a couple of the thoughts I had while watching it is that there? there's no reason for this movie to take place in 1885 or whenever, whenever it's supposed to, except for the fact that that's how it was in the book. But if you're changing everything else, then... Make everything else fit with modern times too. Because that's one of the things like this movie, everything about it is, it's not a bad movie. It's, I've seen much worse. I think it's way better than that Greystoke movie that I watched and leaps and bounds better than the. I just saw something way worse. Better than that Tarzan movie from last week, and those are both Edgar Rice Burroughs characters, which is why I'm comparing them. But, right. but like this movie's just like boring. Like it's it's so slow, it plods along. It doesn't. It's just it's just a movie from a different age and it's just kind of a shame i feel bad for this taylor kitsch guy because he does a pretty good job especially since half the time he's not acting against people like you can tell he's just talking to a tennis ball on a stick and he's doing his best and he's not great to begin with he's the guy who was gambit in that wolverine origins movie Uh, yeah and then like he's in movie jail now i guess he's not allowed to be in things because he was in this and it Lost all the money in the world because yeah. no one wanted to see their poorly marketed, poorly made film. Yeah, so I I don't blame him. I think he's doing the best job he can. Which, well, didn't didn't
1: it sink a studio?
0: No, this is Disney.
1: Oh, is it okay?
0: Yeah, Disney. I mean, Disney lost like two hundred and twenty five million dollars on this, but but there's two hundred twenty five million. To, to yeah, my, to my uh, it's, it's been my impression they're still doing stuff. Yeah, so. But like, you know, like movie accounting, like no movie ever makes a profit. So that's that. I don't think I have much more to say about this. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm think done with Edgar on. Rice Burroughs. Sounds like a
1: good thing to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently the books are very entertaining, but I am not going to read them. Oh, really? You spent a couple hours
1: watching the movies and you don't want to go spend tons more hours reading the books? Nope. Who would have thought?
0: Well, I forced myself to get through all those Narnia books, and I never even made it through that first Narnia movie.
1: Oh, man. I that, saw something on Instagram the other day where someone had a couple pictures from Narnia, and they were like, you know, I think this movie is overrated. What does everyone... Or underrated. What does everyone think? I'm like, no. No, that movie is terrible. It's awful. Didn't you see that in
0: theaters like six times?
1: I saw it in theaters
0: five times. <laughs> you had to... Because you were mentoring kids. Yeah, I was and, working with foster and the, kids. And you were, and we were like, taking let's them go see a movie. movie. Yeah, and they, yeah.
1: they all wanted to see it, which I couldn't really blame them for. But the way things were lining up as far as scheduling goes, is I was taking them all separately. So I just kept having to see this movie. <laughs> and I had seen it before I saw it with any of them because one of my friends wanted to see it. So, so I saw it in the theater and went, damn it. <laughs> I have a lot of this in my future, I'm sure. Oh, no.
0: Did you ever see any of the other ones?
1: You know, I I don't know how many there even are, but I think I did turn on the second one sometime while I was like cleaning my old apartment or something and like wasn't even in the room most of the time. And it didn't it didn't look any better, but it didn't pain me as much because I didn't spend 12 hours watching it.
0: <laughs> All right, Matt. So I guess yeah. it's time for us to step back into Spoilerville because we've both seen Terminator Dark Fate. yeah. Boy, I have a lot of notes. Start talking.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, the Terminator Dark Fate. Here's the plot. Mm-hmm. A Terminator. Well, at the beginning, you get to see Sarah Connor and John Connor hanging out in some tropical place. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, the T-800, shows up and blows him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaving Linda Taylor. Linda Taylor. No. Linda Hamilton. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to throw in. Different names of actors here. Linda Hamilton not get really involved. She's like, Ah, but the Terminator doesn't harm her at all. He's just like, I'm gonna blow this kid away and I'm gonna walk on by. Mission accomplished. This hits on one of my five positive notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually thought the de-aging was decent. It was fantastic. Yeah. I thought they looked pretty good.
0: So totally agree.
1: That part, uh good job. And maybe the best scene in the whole movie. I'm going to say,
0: I don't think I can disagree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So then after that, I mean, all you're doing with that part of the movie is setting up that John Connor's no longer a character. Uh, Mm -hmm. Although boy, are we going to hear him referenced a lot uh, lot. or referred to? Um, So then cut to now and there's a young girl and a Terminator has come back to save her. And a Terminator has come back to kill her. And the first one that's there to save her, it's different. Because she's human. She's an augmented human. So basically she's just a squishier Terminator. Um, Also, she's a lady. Oh, and she's a she's a she. So that's completely different. And, you know, there was a Terminator sent back to kill her. So she's basically John Connor. At some point that gets spelled out completely just in case the audience is really incredibly stupid,
0: I guess. Unbelievably spelled out.
1: Yeah. In those words. (laughs) <laughs> um I mean the the amount of you know when you saw this you said it's basically terminator 2 all over again and the amount of just taking the entire storyline and all the beats And just replacing them with crappier versions of the same events. That is this movie. So you've seen it. I mean, the only thing I guess that's different is at some point they recruit another Terminator to help out. And it Uh is the Terminator who killed John Connor. And I agree with something you said a thousand percent. And that's that the best part of this movie is... Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's really the only part of the movie I actually found enjoyable and not, it was the only stuff that just wasn't making me cringe the whole time. There was, okay, so I do have a couple other positive notes and I'm just going to get them out of the way because the rest of this is going to be complaining like crazy. (laughs) I thought the colors were good. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, I thought there were- You you say
0: that, but I agree.
1: Yeah, I thought there were some decent visuals just in terms of like composition and color. You know, I was like, oh, this is kind of like if it were good, it would be Terminator 2, but more colorful. Uh, There's a point where uh, the Terminator's getting ready to show up and the model, I don't know, Mach 9 or whatever it is, is going to show up and they show like electricity and ice. And I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of a nice visual. This this is about as good as the positive notes get people. Oh, dang. I already spoiled one by saying that stuff about Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's the best part. So I got two more left. There is a line, spoiler alert, where Linda Hamilton or Sarah Connor says something to uh, the, what's her name? Grace is the human terminator hybrid person and uh, she says something smart ass to her and the woman goes she says something like oh I I hear it or something and Sarah Connor's like well I don't hear anything she's like yeah well you're not an augmented super soldier from the future are you I was like (laughs) okay that was a funny line and I gotta say that's probably aside from Arnold Schwarzenegger one of the only lines in this movie that's delivered well I, I really hate to say it because I really wanted to enjoy Linda Hamilton I thought she was terrible in this and I didn't think the woman playing grace was good either. And and I don't get the impre- impression that she's a bad actress. I just feel like it was a bad fit. Like she got into the physical, you know, shape to be able to do, you know, this physicality stuff. But in terms of like delivering her lines, she just had that, I'm trying to sound tough thing going for her the whole time. And yeah. I kind of felt the same way with Linda Hamilton where I'm like, Oh, you don't have to put on a deeper voice to, to be tough. You were tough as hell in uh, Terminator Two. Just deliver your lines like you're not trying to be hard. Yeah, it it, it really made me cringe throughout the entire movie. I I I it was really frustrating. The other good thing that happens in this movie is that there's a moment where the T800 is pretty much beating the hell out of the the Mach Nine, and then I mean he's just kind of throwing them around. He's not actually getting anywhere. But he's mm-hmm. beating him around, and then the Mach Knight grabs his arm and just holds on to it, and then sort of dissolves his arm or like rips off all the skin and stuff. And I was like, "Oh, that was kind of
0: cool." So that's the good. How did you feel about the the bad Terminator, the bad guy Terminator?
1: You know what? Actually, he wasn't nearly as bad as I expected from the preview. Because in the preview, I was like. Well, he's a robot, so I guess it makes sense that he seems so robotic and personalityless. But I actually kind of felt like by the end of the movie I was like, you know, he is kind of menacing. I don't know. Like he he didn't completely win win me over. He's definitely not Robert Patrick. Yeah. But I didn't think he was that bad.
0: How about the actual effects? Oh, I thought uh, the
1: effects were pretty bad. Like there were some things throughout this movie that looked a lot better than they did in the preview, but there was also a lot where, you know, like when his face is rebuilding itself and stuff where I was like, I don't feel like this is good. You know, like it it just, it didn't look more there, like more actually like tangible, solid material than effects did back in, I don't know, quite some time ago, maybe in the nineties. So yeah. there, there. I, I will say there were special effects that I thought I saw in the preview that I was like, oh, this looks better than that. So I don't know if they dressed them up a little bit, but I, don't know, I still, I still thought there were a lot of shots that could have been better.
0: Mm. Okay, I still think the matte black Terminator is pretty cool. I think that's just looks neat, just in terms of like the like the black robot version. Yeah, it just looks cool.
1: The design of it, I can get behind. I, I can say that. I just,
0: <laughs> just like a new coat of paint. It's just like we've had this silver car for 30 years. Here's a black car.
1: I didn't really get a sense, though, of whether or not that the metal part, like the skeleton part, was actually completely solid. Or if, like, there were the physics of things seemed really strange because there were times where I'm like, I feel like the, the skeleton version is also really flexible. Like, there would be parts where he's getting torn in pieces, and I'm like, so the skeleton's getting torn in pieces
0: along with the skin right now? What's mm-hmm. going on here?
1: Um, yeah. So I couldn't quite figure out what the mechanics were supposed to be of that. But it it didn't really matter that much. This movie sucked.
0: The other thing, like you were talking about it, is uh, like how he's menacing and, and stuff. And I think the only real time that Robert Patrick talks in... The first Terminator is when he's like pretending to be a cop. And then at the end where he's like, call Call John, John. call John now. And it's awesome. And in this movie, you get the scene that you didn't get in Terminator 2, where Robert Patrick is facing off with Arnold Schwarzenegger with the Connors behind him. And you don't have Robert Patrick going, we're both robots. You should join me in destroying him. Instead, you just have two robots who don't need to communicate verbally just did not there's there's no need for lines so we don't have to have them and in, in this movie you have that scene where the robot tries to convince the other half robot to join forces to to stop them for no reason uh-huh. and you're just uh gross <laughs> There was a
1: line somewhere towards the beginning and the intro was like kind of stupid and pretty sure it was Linda Hamilton saying like, I am terminated. And I was like, what? No, this is is bad. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess same thing, you know, like throughout the movie, there's even if it's not like a bad acting moment, there's still a lot of overly dramatic line delivery with like long pauses. So that was... I don't know, lame. Some of my notes are really specific. Like, there's a scene where Grace is walking around with a shotgun sticking out from a coat that she has on her arm, and I'm like, I get that the coat's there, but there's a shotgun sticking out of it. (laughs) Nobody's noticing this. And like, hey, you're walking in with a giant gun, aren't you? This movie has a lot, a lot of revamped lines. There are quotes from the other movies, like, I'll be back. But then there are other ones where it's like, I won't be back, and... Mm -hmm. There's a moment where instead of saying, come with me if you want to live, Grace is like, come with me if you want to not die in the next 30 seconds or something. I'm like, that's, that's terrible. If you're going to rip off the lines, just go ahead and rip them off. Cause it sounds even worse when you try to do that, that thing from like uh, the amazing Spider-Man where, where Martin Sheen's like trying not to say with great power comes responsibility. (laughs) So he's like, uh, you know, if you can do a thing, then, by being able to do that thing, you are kind of obligated to probably do that thing. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> good,
0: good work. <laughs> do you think it would have been better if, like uh, I said, they dived into the making it a little more campy, like a little more less full of itself or less serious?
1: Um, no, no, I, I, I don't mean that, like. Uh They they could have cut down on all the over dramatic, but I don't think that trying to joke would have like trying to actually make it campy or joke around more would have worked much better because where they Mm -hmm. do try to throw humor in, I didn't feel like it worked very much. So, Mm. so I don't know. I, I get what you're saying in terms of like, don't think you're better than you are in serious terms, but I, I don't trust them to do better with humor. I mean, think, back, I think back to like Terminator three, where he puts on the star shaped glasses. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to make me laugh. That's weird. So I don't know. But I mean, if, if they got some really good writers in on it, maybe I, I'm not against there being more humor very early in the movie, I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to see a lot of things getting thrown at this machine and nothing accomplishing anything Uh and I'm going to have to keep watching this woman do this as though it's going to work. And at some point in the movie, she's like, yeah, you can't really do anything to it. You can only run away. And I was like, I I guess, but stop slowing down the Stop putting it in slow-mo when you throw something at it. And then, cause I, yeah. I'm just going, all right, speed it up because I know it's not going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. It's just a waste of time. Well, and, and here's something I didn't understand. And I don't remember this being true from Terminator 2, but maybe it is. At some point, Arnold Schwarzenegger says uh, it needs to touch something to replicate it or something. Like like the, the Mach 9 has to make physical contact with someone to replicate them. And... I'm like, why? Why? That's
0: like a rule for the T-1000. Okay. So it was a rule before. That's a stupid rule. Yeah. It it doesn't make much sense either. No. Because the T-1000 turns into, like, the floor at one point. Yeah. And then the security guard steps on him, and then he's able to turn into that security guard. Yeah. So...
1: Well, it's just, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, his footprint was on there and then like, yeah, yeah, and he he, he can turn his arms into blades and hooks and things. So, yeah. I mean, I the, whatever he turned his arms into to catch the back of a cop car at some point, I'm like, that's not even a thing. Yeah. But he turned his anyway, at some point in this movie, too, it seemed like uh, simple
0: weapons, mostly for stabbing.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's what I was gonna say in this movie the mach 9 turns into like he gives himself a gun and i was like that's weird because how does that work inside the gun is it just a really good slingshot because i can't i don't think he can create gun powder
0: oh i didn't see him do that i don't remember that
1: yeah it's it's towards the beginning and i i, I wrote down a note uh questioning that and i'm like Maybe he was carrying a gun before that, and I didn't realize it. I, I'm not sure. But they do some really stupid things. This Grace woman's supposed to be programmed to, you know, take care of things. But then they're driving around, and she starts passing out because they have to have this stupid thing where she passes out if she does a lot of exercise. Yeah, and she's a woman. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> the movie <laughs> saying it, not me. So, well, so she she passes. She's passing out, and she just keeps driving. And I'm like. Yeah hey, pull over. You're literally yeah. telling the girl in the passenger seat that you're going to pass out and you need yeah. some sort of nutrients. Pull over, go buy some food and get back on the road. So that was dumb because then she like crashes and I'm like, well, yeah. Oh yeah. There was a, there was a joke that really like, I was like, oh no, here's where the, here's where the jokes are going to be. Where Linda Hamilton throws a bunch of ice on top of the woman and I think it's the little girl who says, like, maybe you should have put her in the bathtub instead of throwing ice on the bed. And she's like, have you seen the bathtub? I'm like, oh, oh, this is the level of the humor here. No good. No good. Yeah. There's a whole um, lot of conflict going on between Sarah Connor and Grace that doesn't need to be there at all and doesn't make any yeah. sense.
0: And it doesn't get resolved, really. Oh, either. yeah. No, it
1: does. Just- it does. It's it's the moment that, that Linda Hamilton goes, you're John. What? You're John. Wait, what what do you mean? I mean, you're John. (laughs) Like, if you watch Terminator 2 and where John, the position he was in, you're in that role now. Oh, we're on the same side now. You're, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger in this one. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, listeners, she doesn't actually say that, but she does say all the John stuff. She totally explains like three times in a row to the girl. I think, that she I think is the half John of her Peter lines in
0: this movie. movie are her saying John. Oh, yeah. All over the place. Also, this movie falls into the same kind of trap that Genesis falls into, which you have to watch. No, now, I do not. Watch and I this won't. One. Nope. You you must watch. I don't it. live by your rules, Nick, <laughs> and so it's the only one you haven't seen. I don't. You have care. to watch that. No, it's got Apocalypse it. on the same day. No. But like at the beginning of Genesis Arnold and young Linda Hamilton are able to just kill terminators at will oh. and they're just they're just able to like dissolve them in like their acid shower that they have and then in this movie Linda Hamilton's been spending the last 30 years Arnold Schwarzenegger will text message her when a terminator comes online in our time and then she'll just go kill it like that's a thing you can do yeah. you can just kill a terminator and she's been doing it again and again and again to the point where when she shows up in she's this bored. movie she's bored she's bored to tears and terrible at her job
1: yeah no she shows up and she's like all right so i just killed that thing i'm going to throw a bomb over the side of this uh bridge and uh mm, i'm going to go walk wrap down up there this adventure yeah it's okay looks like it's dead oh they stole my car damn here's another kind of jokey line so, uh, yeah. Whatever. Oh man! And there's another. Oh, there are a lot of lines in this movie that are terrible. I didn't write them all down, but here's another one. So there's a moment where they decide that they need to train the young girl to be a fighter for three minutes, and mm-hmm. so they're like, "Here's a gun," and she. They're like, "Shoot these things," and they're like, you know, cans on tree stumps or something and she misses it and it's like oh yeah she doesn't know how to do this yet and so linda hamilton's like well you don't know how to shoot a gun yet here's one that would probably rip your arm out of its socket why don't you shoot this one and then she whispers in her ear as though this is her motivation that she's making up and asking her to imagine it a terminator just killed your whole family a terminator did just kill her whole family you heartless (laughs) bitch That is not. That is not a, Hey, you're learning how to pitch and imagine that the guy that bullied you as a kid is watching you pitch throw like yeah. you've never thrown before. It's just, uh, and, and, and if that's supposed to be the point that she's telling her something that did happen, that's pretty heartless to act as though she forgot that Uh huh. like, Oh, you just need me to remind you that your whole family's
0: dead. Meanwhile, uh, the, uh, the guy who literally shot her son to death is right next to her.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. And then there's some backstory that actually takes place in the future where, whatever her name is, I don't even see, I don't even know the name of the main girl because she's called John more than anything. She, in the future, tells, teaches Grace how to fight and stuff and then saves her and sends grace back to save herself or whatever. And none of that works at all. Like it seriously looks as though that part of the movie is supposed to take place. Like the next year, the girl is the same age. It
0: looks like. Yeah. And doesn't she look like she's nine years old or something? Absolutely. Like, it's doesn't it's- she look younger later?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't work at all. And there are a lot of moments in this movie where people should be running and they're not. Yeah. They're just walking around like, hey, you know what? I know that thing just fell into that pond that we're standing right next to and that it's been trying to kill us the whole time, but let's mm-hmm. walk around
0: slowly. Yeah. I did like the, the last shot of the Terminator, like when it melts itself or whatever. I thought that looked cool.
1: Oh, yeah, and then they just leave the skull there because an arm was enough to start Skynet before, but a whole Terminator <laughs> yeah. skull is fine to leave laying around.
0: Two two Terminator remains just laying there. It's stupid, but it looked neat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did look neat. I'm not going to lie. The imagery was fine, but I was just sitting there going, wait a minute. You're leaving? What? <laughs> yeah. How have you not learned? You've been through this six times. Yeah. Sometimes the Terminator can change itself into different shapes while it's on the move. Other times it stands still to like, oh, I want to turn my hand into a javelin. I better stop moving. I got to think
0: about this.
1: Yeah, this is. So I I took some notes, some that are under the heading good, some that are under the heading bad. Now I'm in the weird section. That's my third Mm -hmm. section. And uh, I have a question. And that is, do dump trucks actually have bulldozers on the front of
0: them? I imagine you could put one on it. I've only ever like, seen bulldozer fronts. Like those big fronts. yellow ones for a construction site, not the ones on the, oh wait, a bulldozer, a dump truck have a bulldozer front. I, I know bulldozers sometimes have
1: a thing on the back that, that it does dump it into, and it works yeah. similarly to a dump truck, but Maybe it's a different shape. And I've never seen a dump truck that just is a dump truck that has a bulldozer a stuck a on the front. <laughs> This may be a thing that exists. I could be completely wrong. I just found out this week that Jeep has a thing called a a Jeep Gladiator. That's just
0: a Wrangler with a dump or a uh, what do you call it? a pickup truck back to it? Oh, yeah. The Jeep truck. I just that must be new because I just found out about that, too. Yeah, it's a it's a Jeep
1: Gladiator.
0: Um looks terrible.
1: Or if you get the upgrade, it's called the Jeep Compensator. Anyway, <laughs> why do Terminators in the future have octopus tentacles? I don't know. They sent one into the past. It doesn't, but in the future they do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happens when you send it into the past that it takes off its tentacle arms. to fit in. Everybody wants to fit in. Maybe. Uh, Everybody wants to be the weird new kid. I, I have, a, <laughs> I have a, a note here that says, why is Terminator still a Terminator without skin? Like their design is the same. But I don't know what that means. Oh, maybe my point here is why is the design the same if it's not even Skynet anymore? Like why are Terminators exactly the same, you know, yeah design? Like when you see them walking up on the beach. And you were right about the beach scene. Like the movement of the water isn't very convincing.
0: Oh right, yeah. yeah. When they're coming out. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, and then this guy the, the Terminator, the, the Mach 9 guy, he walks through a metal detector and the guard there is like, oh, you set off the metal detector. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got a, a plate in my leg and blah, blah, blah from like working, in, you know, being in Afghanistan and stuff. And I'm like, you're wearing like seven walkie talkies and a flak jacket. <laughs> I don't think you even need yeah. to come up with some sort of story there. The guy should be like, yeah, you set off the alarm. You're wearing a bunch of metal. <laughs> you have a gun in your hand. Yeah. And if he can turn himself into guns, I don't know why he doesn't turn himself into one to shoot down the helicopter, but maybe he just was carrying a gun. Didn't turn. They did not want to get sued by the Transformers. <laughs> I really wanted to hear Carl, which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. At some point, his wife and kids show up and, and Carl, the retired Terminator turned drape salesman is like... Uh, honey, we have visitors. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> visitors? And then they cut to later, and I'm like, no, 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 I want to hear this explanation. I really want to hear what he comes up with as an excuse for these visitors. Yeah. I uh, wish this
0: movie had more Carl. He's the best character. Like, absolutely. By far. I still stand by what I said where it, like, it needs more silly Arnold. Like, when they're having that big fight on the airplane, and then he falls or whatever, and he like slides next to somebody, he should just be like, I, this is crazy. Like just kind of little things like that, I think would have really amped or like made it just, a little would, it more better and more enjoyable. It would have given him something to do. Yeah. Well, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger looks great in this movie. He does look great. Yeah. He looks better in this movie than he does in the last one. I think I wouldn't know. And
1: I never will. Now, here's a question I should have had 20 years ago, which is why do Terminator's in their computer or whatever, have things right on screen that tell them like things like scan mode. Why would they need that on a screen? Like they are the computer. Who is this telling other than
0: the audience? Who is this telling? Oh, that's, you know, that's so you don't forget like, you know, like, so you don't use up your battery more scan mode takes up more power than seeing mode or targeting mode. <laughs>
1: Anyway, um, <laughs> it's it's very fortunate that we'll just call her John knows. How to rip a power source out of the stomach of an augmented future super soldier. Yeah, but that's like where everyone's spleen is. And also, well, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously the spleen, that's the powerhouse of the body. That's what we all know. And how to use that to kill a Terminator. (laughs) Because Grace is like, take out my power source. And she's like, I shouldn't. I feel bad. And she's like, no, no, no. You have to. And she's like, okay. surgery. Yeah. Here's I got the power source and then she just jams it into the other terminator. I'm yeah. like, maybe there's a button. You know, you might need to hook that into something like a USB. I Meanwhile, she's just banging it into the terminator. It's like, you don't even know where my USB port is, you jerk. Yeah, like
0: that? That scene where she's like Go ahead and reach in and take my power supply out. She, the Grace Terminator, should be, like, ripped to shreds. Oh, yeah. Like, she should have, like, arms disconnected. Her head should be kind of off the body so that, like, this girl who has to take her heart out, basically, isn't like, oh, you're still human. Like, it should be, like crystal clear that she's not human anymore like she's something else and if you showed her eviscerated like that and but she's still having conversations with you it it would i think dehumanize her a little more and you could be like okay all right i'm gonna take this out but instead they have to over it by making her feel bad like she's killing her future friend
1: well and she's a she's a
0: practically robotic super soldier take it out yourself Yeah.
1: Just rip it out and hand it to her. If you die while you're doing it, that's fine. At least she'll know where it is. Maybe have it glow or something.
0: Also, Grace should be like, hey, this is the last time we're going to see each other until the future. When you send me back in time, you know this is gonna happen to me. Yeah. Do yeah, something yeah. about it. Tell me, prepare me in some way. Maybe, maybe send back more than one person. Yeah, like, I mean, John Connor doesn't tell Kyle that? Reese explicitly to bang his mom. He just knows it's gonna happen because that's what happens. But, I mean, I feel like, I feel like John Connor gives Kyle Reese a fair shake to make it.
1: Well, I don't even remember how Kyle Reese dies in the first one. He well, kind of bleeds to death, I think. That's fine. Well, that's all I got on Terminator 7, okay.
0: 6, whatever it is. Dark fate. Yeah. No fate, but what we make. Again, well, Matt, that brings again. us to our super successful news segment called our 2020 rankings list, where it's just like the other ranking list, except we rank many things I think. I think we just-
1: can call this five on five, because it's got five aspects that can be scored up to five points each. Oh, you have thought about this. I like nope, it. Nope. I just looked at my phone and I saw two fives.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll do five on five. And since I have yours open, Matt, where's the Terminator Dark Fate going to go on your long list here? Oh, I still have to place it on the ranking? Oh, right. I forgot. I do that. I do that later when after I run the algorithm.
1: Ah, okay. And didn't you right. want guess beforehand what score this fits? I remember five on five better than you did, and you made the damn thing up.
0: Well, what I thought has come true because the the what do section is off the screen, so I forgot about it. I'm going to say... You're going to give this movie one and a half. Okay.
1: All right. So let's see. We start with story, right? Plot. Yeah. yeah this is a tricky one because it basically steals the plot from Terminator 2, which it, if it were even starting at a five, it would lose a point for, for stealing. It makes it worse. So it's going to lose a point for that. And it's starting at three because it's not very good as a story in this version. So starts as a three, loses a point for Being a ripoff, loses another point for doing it worse. It gets one point for story. Next is acting. Acting. Well, Linda Hamilton gets a thumbs down. Whoever Grace is gets a thumbs down. The little girl is fine. Mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is great. And the new Terminator is pretty good. I'm going to give acting 2.5. Actually, no, we're going to make that a two because those bad ones are really cringy. You get a two. Okay. Movie two. All right. Uh, next up pacing. I have to admit, I don't know if there's a single moment I was bored. So mm. it must've been laid out. All right. Even though it wasn't good. So I'm going to give it a 3.5.
0: 3.5 for pacing? Wow, okay. Yeah. And then the uh, aesthetic of the movie. How did it look, feel, sound? Uh, see, it's it gets so no points for <laughs> some of the,
1: the looks of things. But otherwise, I, I mean, actually just like the color and the, the effects that are good. Are pretty good i'm gonna say this is actually a pretty good looking
0: movie i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a four wow. no I'm gonna, okay. a okay. I'm gonna give it a 3.5 3. i'm <laughs> gonna give it 3.5 still pretty high yeah yeah then and the f- final category is how much did you enjoy it
1: uh, and this is the part where i gotta give it more than seems to make any sense at all uh, and it gets a three
0: yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, when it comes down to it, it was kind of an entertaining action movie.
1: Uh, yeah, I wasn't bored. I don't want to see it again. Unless maybe I'm hanging out with you and we're having a drink or something. But, like, otherwise, I'd, I'd never come back to the well. But, yeah, I had a fun enough time watching it. I'm glad I didn't see it in the theater, though. Me
0: too. All right, so we'll run the algorithm on your on your rankings and we'll get back to you next week to see where your two movies end up. <laughs> Now, as for me, we'll start with uh, Tour de Pharmacy. Where do you think I am going to end up on Tour de Pharmacy? I think you're going to end up at a four. So starting off with plot for Tour de Pharmacy, I'm going to give it a three and a half because it's pretty unique. There aren't a lot of cycling movies, but the plot, I'm going to give it a three. There's not really a plot. It's just a device to get to the next joke, okay? which is fine. The acting in it, again, like the Bash Brothers thing last week. The acting, I'm going to give a three because it's, it's pretty funny. It is better acted than that Bash Brothers movie from, like I said, last week. The pacing, I'm also going to give it a three. It does get a little slow towards the end and you can tell they weren't entirely sure how they were going to end it. The aesthetic, I'm going to give four and a half it looks it looks great and it really looks like a, a documentary and then the enjoyment that i got out of it i am also going to give four and a half so all right i think you might be right on with your four you right gave
1: of. it a 3.6 overall
0: well we'll we'll see
1: <laughs> i mean that rolls uh, that 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 rounds up to a four but it's <laughs> closer to a 3.5 mm.
0: it's true yes yeah how will the computer interpret that graystoke i'm thinking you're gonna give this a two two okay plot of this movie it's kind of an interesting plot it's poorly executed but it's an interesting plot so i think i'm gonna give it two and a half i kind of want to give it three but no the acting this one i i feel bad about because lambert like i said he's given it everything he's got but what he's got is not good it's He's just bad. But like Ian Holm is good. Andy McDowell is good, even though it's not her voice. The old man is good. (laughs) She's Uh, good, even though it's not her voice. (laughs) She looks fantastic. She's
1: good at looking like she's saying stuff. Somebody else
0: is good at making it sound like it. Andy McDowell in Groundhog Day is like the most beautiful woman ever. In this movie, it's like a younger version of her. And you're like, kind of want Groundhog Day Andy McDowell instead of this one, but this one's still very pretty. But I don't get to hear her talk, so that's I like Andy McDowell. Maybe this goes more
1: into the aesthetic part than the, the performance part. I don't know. Your call. Yeah. You're the one
0: who watched uh, it. I'm going to give it, for sheer effort alone, a three. Wow. For acting. That is yeah. a lot of generosity yeah. to effort. Because he's really trying, and I, I can... St-
1: How do you know he's really trying if it's not good?
0: (laughs) There are parts that aren't as good as others, and you're like, oh, this could have all been like that. Pacing, I'm going to give it a two. It is long and it goes on for forever. The aesthetic, it looks like they really did shoot it in Africa. Like a lot of this stuff. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm always bad with spotting that stuff. But at least it doesn't feel like you're on a set. The stuff in England is very nice looking. So I'm going to say like the look and feel of the movie, like it feels like a movie. Three and a half for aesthetic. Okay. And then my enjoyment level, I'm going to give it a two and a half. No, straight up two. It doesn't deserve the half. But that might go up over time. Like the more I think about this movie, I think the more I kind of liked it. But it's not good. Well, overall, you gave it a two point six. Oh, yeah, okay, Matt. What do you think I'm gonna give, John Carter?
1: Oh, well, I don't know, man. Now that you, now that I've seen how freaking
0: generous you were to Tarzan, <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a one point five. Ooh, okay. The plot of this movie is it's a two and a half. It's a two and a half, uh, just for being unique. I, I imagine if this movie was exactly the same, but did do what i said where he's just like an afghanistan war veteran Uh i would give it a much lower plot because it's still just as boring but because it takes place in the civil war there's a bunch of civil war stuff that goes on you're like ooh, neat costumes so i don't know i I imagine that should play into the aesthetic a little bit but mm. acting this movie gets a two hard two at one point i thought that one of the aliens was played by Kate blanchett and it's not her it's some other lady pacing uh, this movie plods. This gets a two. Uh, no, this gets a one and a half for pacing. It is a it is a slog to get through. The aesthetic, uh, it looks really good, except that you never feel like you're on Mars. So I'm going to give it a three for the special effects alone. And then my overall enjoyment of the movie, I'm going to give a two. I'm going to give it a two. So... That's that. Yeah. What's that number come out to be? 2.2. 2. Oh, okay. 2.2. 2, it's higher than Greystoke. Well, that makes sense. No, was right, it wasn't Greystoke 2.6. Was it? I think that's what I said. Wow. Because I definitely like this John Carter movie more than Greystoke. That's funny. Wow. The list just continues to surprise us week after week. <laughs> Yeah. Anything for Midwest Matt Recommends this week. Let's see here.
1: If you haven't checked it out, I, I have mentioned this show before, but I think it was before we started putting Midwest Matt Recommends on the website, which I know you're actually not anymore anyway. Website out, needs help. Check out One Good Thing. I, I really like the two hosts on there. They sound like they're just two dudes who have been friends for a while and they watch bad stuff and see if they can tease anything out of it
0: that they find enjoyment in. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, if you would like to send us a message and tell us what you saw in movies this week so that we can discuss it on the show, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on almost all of the social networks. I think that's it, right? Isn't that usually all I say? And
1: then you say, if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next
0: week in film. And remember, judge movies, not people. Mackenzie Davis still looks like she's wearing a Scarecrow <laughs> wig in that movie, doesn't she? Doesn't her hair look like it's made out of straw? Uh, who's Mackenzie Davis? The Grace. Oh. You know, I didn't really notice her hair that much. Oh. Uh, go back and look up uh, Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder and enjoy yourself a little laugh. Oh, okay. I'm gonna th- Actually, I'm going to send you a text right now.
1: Okay. There it is. Uh, yeah, I guess her haircut is similar to that. <laughs>
0: Oh, There's a lot of build up. So, with that said,
1: <laughs> peace out.